we ran it on QI a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which was, there's no such thing as a fish. Yeah, there's no such thing as a fish. No, seriously, it's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater Life. It says it right there, first paragraph, no such thing as a fish. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with three other elves, Andy Murray, Anna Chazinski, and James Harkin. And once again, we've gathered around the table with our favorite facts from the last seven days. So here we go, in no particular order, our favorite things from the last week. Anna. My fact is that rats wearing polyester pants can't get erections. <laughs> <laughs> what? How did they find this out? Uh, so this guy, it was in 1993, and it was uh, Dr. Ahmed Shafiq, and he dressed up 75 rats. He's- we just established why he did this first. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to see if polyester decreases fertility. It's science, Dan. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he split them into five groups, dressed one group up in cotton trousers, or pants, dress another group up in polyester pants, another group up in wool pants, and another group up in 50-50, which I think is what most people wear, right? Right. Yeah. It's like 50% cotton, 50% polyester. And yeah, they had to wear these pants continuously for six months, and then he shoved them in with a load of women. Bonded Wait, to them. <laughs> female rats. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe that was where he went wrong. And none of the women got pregnant. <laughs> um. Sorry, yeah, he shoved them in with a load of female rats, and he found that the ones wearing polyester pants tried to mount the female emails and their ability to penetrate them was significantly reduced. And the idea is synthetic fabrics are bad for you, is that it? Yeah, actually, that's so that's, he said that, but I think that's controversial. A lot oh. of studies say wearing polyester boxes might reduce your sperm count. But How um, weird. Yeah. But then I read, I read quite a good quote from a doctor saying, how come during the 70s and 80s when everyone was wearing tight polyester clothes, suddenly the human population didn't decrease rapidly? Yeah. Well, there were a lot of advances in other areas as well. <laughs> <laughs> it only work in a world where the only variable was what kind of pants and trousers everyone was wearing. Yeah, so anyway, he thinks the reason this happens, and the reason that it maybe happens in humans, but the reason that it happens definitely in rats, is that it creates kind of a static electricity around oh. if you're wearing polyester, tight so polyester. So you've got electric genitals you've got electric genitals yeah sounds like a great band name (laughs) (laughs) and the sperm hate that okay and i found this out in a book called bonk by mary roach who we love because she writes excellent books so bonk is uh, a scientific approach to sex but it's really well written it's a really entertaining read i thought i I, when i heard the fact i read into this guy just very quickly because i wanted to see what kind of character he was and there was a great little thing that mary roach had found out that he was nobel prize nominated but the thing is, she checked up to see if he was Nobel nominated. And the rules of Nobel are that they don't reveal who the nominations That's were right. until 50 years after the nomination itself. Yeah. So you can go around. She's saying, put that on your resume. You can go around saying you're a Nobel Prize nominated person and no one will ever know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he also uh, performed the world's first bladder transplant. He also did the same experiment on dogs. Which I find, so I think he might have just really liked putting pants on, on animals. <laughs> he was quite clear in the study that he washed them every time they were soiled. Oh. Rats do soil themselves a lot. They do urinate they? almost all the time. Oh, well, that's oh, a lot yeah. of washing then. Yeah. Unless it was just number twos that he was cleaning <laughs> up. 
But um, so rats urinate all the time everywhere to attract women, female rats. <laughs> um, they also wee on food to market as edible. Standard practice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, females will wee on a male that they particularly like. Male rats will do the same to females. Young rats will wee on older rats, and no one knows why they do that. And dominant males regularly wee on their subordinates. Hmm. Non-standard so, practice. No. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lot of weeing to be cleaning up is. after, isn't it's it? Like do they break. have to constantly drink? Incessantly in the pub, just downing pints. Got a weird guy. So we don't know why they piss on each other. Um, I think it, the idea is maybe that it contains pheromones or something like that. But it sounds, seems like such a blunt instrument to us because we don't know about whatever pheromones may be in it. So they probably look at us going, oh, these humans, they make noises with their mouths when they're happy, when they're sad, to please people, to make people angry. It's grotesque. Why are they marking that urinal as edible? <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Mary Roach, which the book Bonk, which is where you got uh, the, the fact about rats, rats in pants from. Um, I read it a few years ago. For, I think it was in the J series. And because you have to tenuously tie everything to the letter of the alphabet you're studying, mine was at a J for jiggy, brackets, jiggy. Um, <laughs> um, other incredible facts from this book Bonk. Uh, I love this one. In 1851, a gynecologist called James Platt White was expelled from the American Medical Association for inviting medical students to observe a consenting woman giving birth because his colleagues were so outraged by the idea of a male doctor looking at female genitals. I was given birth to in front of a bunch of students. Were you? Really? Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Wow. Can you remember much course, about it? Of course I can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of talk about how beautiful I was. Um, oh, and the other... The other um, Two-fifths of the human penis is hidden beneath the skin. Two-fifths. Yeah, Two-fifths. Of- it's like an iceberg. Oh, and I think the other thing, which I've mentioned on this podcast before, is about the, pe- the postage stamp penis test. Well, say it anyway. Say what it. is it? In, case. in the 20th century, if, if someone couldn't get an erection, it was either going to be psychological or it was going to be physiological. So to test whether or not it was a purely bodily problem or whether it was all in the mind, they would attach a strip of perforated postage stamps around the base of the penis and then leave you overnight. If it was a purely psychological problem, you would have an erection as you slept and the perforations would tear. Whereas if it was a physiological problem, you wouldn't, and you know, you'd wake up still. With Worst thing up. was when you woke up and your penis had been sent to Barnstable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time for fact number two, Andrew Hunter Murray. Okay, my fact is that during the First World War, entertainments for the troops included uh, organised pillow fights wheelbarrow races and wrestling on the backs of mules sounds like fun it does yeah. sound like fun doesn't so it yeah, wrestling yeah. on top of a mule like two men on the top of a mule what I think it is is two men on two different mules trying to push the other one off like okay. low key jousting but I haven't confirmed that so you may be right it may be it may be two men on one mule but that's, that's a lot to put on one mule yeah, yeah. Um, I do know you're not allowed legally to uh, ride a llama what do you mean nobody's allowed to ride a llama um, it's just ver- in it's- this country or well, uh, again, you test the limits of my knowledge. Do we have llamas <laughs> in Britain? We do yeah, have llamas yeah. in Britain. They're okay. farmed quite a lot. But it's really bad for them to ride them. So they have quite weak backs. And you could load them up with a bit of weight, but really not very much. And when you look at them, they've got these lovely vertical high necks and then quite a dip in their backs. But you can easily see that riding them would be quite bad for them, actually. Yeah. Their audience rode them everywhere. They didn't care. Um, anyway, yes. So there were the, the, these were just the various um, things that were done to keep morale up among British troops. Because obviously, there's a lot of time going on between battles. So where did these fights take place? Are they in the front line? Do we think just <laughs> front trench? I suspect a little bit further back. Yeah, they think, probably didn't they? do wheelbarrow races in no man's land, did they? <laughs> no. Just going over the top with your pillows. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. Just so, yeah. Just uh, this this pillow fight that we we only know about it because these are first world war diaries, which the National Archive have been digitised 
amazing. And you can go and see oh, them yeah. at Q, and you can go and look through them. Uh, they have hundreds of thousands of documents. They have a, a copy of the Doomsday Book there, a, a, a replica of it, but yeah, nonetheless, yeah. it's very cool. Um, wow. Yeah. Very good. Hey, so uh, pillows used to be made of stone. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't like a fight with those, would you? No. <laughs> when was wow. this? In the 70s? These are thousands of years old. So the very earliest pillows are Mesopotamian. They're about 9,000 years old. And they're, they're made of stone and they're, they're carved in a, in a half moon shape so they can support your neck. Some people think that it was just to stop insects crawling into your nose and mouth as you slept. Okay. Um, on the day he died, Martin Luther King had a pillow fight a few hours before he died. It's yeah. recorded in Andrew Young's biography. Andrew Young was a really good friend of his. And the three of them were in the Memphis Lorraine hotel and yep apparently Martin Luther King and another friend set upon this other guy with pillows and beat oh, him that's about. That's a pillow assault. Yeah, it was yeah. a pillow assault. Yeah, it was pillow abuse. Um, Japan actually has issued an official pillow for pillow fighting. Oh, they're really into oh, it in really? Japan, aren't Yeah, they? yeah, there's an annual pillow fight day in Japan and, mm. uh, and you know, if a pillow has a zip, if a pillow has um, feathers that you can choke on... If made out of stone. Made out of stone. Like dynamite. You know, there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of pain that can be uh, brought on by a pillow. And well, the safest pillow you can use for pillow fighting <laughs> Well, because there's no zip. They've seen them it's coming, got no haven't they? <laughs> yeah, but... That- what feathers? <laughs> We're not allowed feathers anymore in a pillow fight. If feathers come out and you choke on a feather, you can die. That's part of the joy of pillow fighting. It's true. Feathers everywhere. Peter the Great of Russia used uh, used a young male orderly's stomach as a pillow when he was travelling. <laughs> <laughs> he would he would fall asleep and he would wake up an hour or two later completely refreshed. Because he sometimes had uh, convulsions, uh, which might have been epileptic convulsions, we're not sure. But uh, when, when it became a proper convulsion, the only cure was to put him in the company of someone he found relaxing. And so when he married his second wife, it was always her or another young woman. He would just put his head in her lap and she would stroke, stroke his head. I just head. like the idea of like, him going to bed with his wife, saying, night, honey, and laying back on a man <laughs> at the top of the bed. <laughs> Uh, she on, has just to sleep on the legs as well. <laughs> hang on. Next to him on the, the pillow's too hot. I need to turn it over. <laughs> <laughs> if we go back to entertainment in the First World War, just because I know this is one of your boss's favourite things, Andy. The Wipers Times. Have you guys ever read The Wipers yeah. Times? Which Who's is so Andy's good. boss? Uh, Ian Hislop, the other boss. He's oh, not John okay. Lloyd. It, Andy does his moonlighting at Private Eye. Um, but I think he did a documentary on the Wipers Times, didn't they? Yeah. But they, I just find it amazing. So in 1916, in the trenches, the Wipers Times was the trench newspaper, and it was a satirical newspaper, really funny, like Private Eye or the Daily Mash. And it happened just because it was when they were in Ypres, and they just stumbled across a printing press that was lying around, and then they started distributing this newspaper. It would mm. do things like uh, publish articles apologizing for when the British shelled their own people, and it was... It's, it's pretty subversive when you read it. Dark. You read yeah. it and you think... How on earth did they get away with printing and distributing this to normal soldiers? Because yeah. it was always seditious. Given that they had their letters checked and they had to be read all the way through to check they weren't saying anything negative about the war, but they were allowed to publish this newspaper, which is extremely negative about their experiences in the trenches. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's amazing. I have one more really, I, one of my favorite facts about the First World War. Okay. They dug a section of trench to help people train for life in the trenches in Blackpool. Um, but they also took visitors around. You could pay a penny and visit them. They were called the Lose Trenches and be shown around by a soldier who was recuperating, who'd been actually at the front in France or Belgium. Imagine spending all that time on the front line in World War One and then being sent to Blackpool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. allowed to say that because I'm from Lancashire. The uh, record for the largest pillow fight ever engaged in was set in Chicago in 2013 and involved 3,813 people, but 4,500 pillows, which I think is cheating. So some people had two? Yeah, I guess so. Wow. Didn't know wow. it was allowed. 
Go check the old Japanese pillow fighting rules. Um, just uh, this is pretty non sequitur, but yep. about world records. I just really like that thing about the um, world record custard pie fight. The record was 253 custard pies thrown in the fight. Uh, it would have been 255, but two of the pies were mysteriously eaten. <laughs> Not that mysterious. <laughs> that's, <laughs> now, that's quite small for a custard pie fight. We could beat that. We could beat yeah, that in the QI easily. audience, couldn't we? Yeah. Don't know how the studio managers are going to feel about that. <laughs> okay, time to move on to fact number three, and that is James. Okay, my fact is that the atmosphere on Venus is so hot that if you took a pizza out of a freezer there, it would cook in three seconds. Wow. Wow. And would it cook all the way through, or would it burn on the surface and not cook in the middle? Great question. Yeah. I imagine, yeah, there would be a certain rare quality of the inside. Yeah, and singed on the outside. Quite singed, yeah. Yeah. And this comes from um, a, a talk by Neil deGrasse Tyson, and it was about his book, which was Death by Black Hole and Other Cosmic Quandaries. And he says in his book, I think, that it would take either seven or nine seconds. Uh, but in this article about his talk, um, someone corrected him and said it would be three seconds. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not sure what the correction was. I think it might have been to do with the pressure or something. Is I the, like I like when scientists come up with these sort of weird analogies. Yeah, analogy. Yeah, it is good analogy. because someone might say to you, okay, it's 800 degrees Fahrenheit on Venus. But what does that mean to anyone? Yeah. Yes. It's just a number, isn't it? Yeah. But also, if it's 800 degrees Fahrenheit on Venus, why are you having pizza? You should have a nice ice cream. <laughs> Maybe a cool lemonade. Well, yeah, and I if mean, you're in a refrigerator as well. Stay in the stay fridge. In the fridge. Yeah. It's boiling outside. <laughs> How are you powering this fridge? <laughs> okay, there are certain, there are certain administrative problems here, <laughs> but nonetheless, that's what would happen. In fact, that's fridges um, in the Arctic... Um, the Chukchi, I think, do this, and probably in Canada they do it as well. They use um, refrigerators to keep things warm. No. Because if you have yes. food outside, it'll freeze. But if you put it in the refrigerator where it's like three degrees, it'll keep it stopped do from they freezing. Call, do they call the fridge the oven? No. For that reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of weather on planets, do you guys know about planet HD189733B? Of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is a planet that is 63 light years away from us, and it rains glass sideways in 7,000 kilometers per hour wind on this wow. planet. I wouldn't so... like to play golf in that. Do you know, I actually tweeted this a few days ago, and I think someone responded with that exact answer. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a cool place, though. So it's got this deep blue hue, which they've worked out as a result of... Um, it's molten glass, so it's silicate in the atmosphere, which is shooting down sideways. Wow. Have you guys heard about the mysterious light oh, on he's... Venus? No, Daniel, we haven't heard about your mysterious light. The ashen light, it's called. It's a light that happens on the planet that uh, scientists have been studying. have no idea what it is. There's a lot of theories. No one's decided what it is yet. Herschel saw it. Uh, Patrick Moore was a guy called Franz von Grutheisen. I can't pronounce his name properly, but but he believed that it was fires from a celebration of a new Venusian emperor being (laughs) announced. All these scientists have been looking at it over the years, and we still don't know what it is. So it's a mystery, and it could be lightning... It's just a patch of light that just comes up, and they have no idea what it is. Really? For a long time, they did think there could be life on Venus. Because it's so covered in clouds, it was really difficult to see but with telescopes what was going on under there. Um, so it was only when they sent probes down that they realized, actually, there's no way anything could possibly live down here. Yeah. When the Soviet um, Venera program sent um, probes down there, uh, the longest any of the probes lasted was 127 minutes before it 
before they melted and melted. Oh. Really? Um, the surface of Venus is hot enough to melt an aluminium pan. Is so it? I don't know what you're serving this pizza on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to hear some stuff about pizza? I yeah. Got stuff on yeah, pizza. go on. Okay. Um, the, well, it, this was a publicity stunt by Pizza Hut in the early 2000s. They claimed that they were the first company in the world to deliver a pizza to outer space uh, because the company uh, sent one on a Russian rocket to the International Space Station. Oh. And then Yuri Usachov, uh, one of the Russian cosmonauts living there, ate it. And Pizza Hut paid about 700,000 quid for that, so I think we can all agree, yeah. money well spent. Mm. It is now that they've got this kind of promotion from the QI podcast. <laughs> Before they were wondering if anything had happened to it. Yeah, but they paid all this money, and in return, they got to do that. Then they got footage of Mr. Ustachov flashing a thumbs up after eating the pizza, and then for pasting the chain's logo on a rocket last year. <laughs> oh. Do you guys know about Pizza Hut's proposal package? No. no. Uh, so this co- Sounds I romantic. It is romantic. Cost ten thousand and ten dollars. It was a limited edition offer in two thousand and twelve, and it came with a red ruby ring, a limousine which took you to your location of choice, flowers, fireworks, a photographer, and the cherry on the icing, a ten dollar dinner box. What's a ten dollar dinner? It's like a box with a pizza in it and some cheese sticks. Um, Another thing that Pizza Hut has is its own perfume, called oh. Ode to Pizza Hut. Oh. It smells apparently like a freshly opened box of pizza, although a professional smellologist, whatever we're calling them, actually said it smells like cinnamon, baby powder, and most overwhelmingly feet. Oh, they're not my uh, favourite toppings. Yeah. <laughs> actually, speaking of Will You Marry Me, this is something I looked into for the last fact we were discussing for the Iceland fact. But the first woman who ever placed a personal ad in a newspaper was immediately committed to an asylum. Oh, really? <laughs> what did it say? Did it say blah, 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 blah? <laughs> I'm going to kill everyone. Marry me. No, she was just committed to an asylum by the mayor. She placed a personal ad in the Manchester Weekly Journal in 1727. She was called Helen Morrison. And the first person to respond was the mayor who had her locked up in an asylum for a month. For oh, doing something so I, completely insane. I don't believe that. Uh, you, sca- when was the last time you were in Manchester? They're <laughs> <laughs> a mean bunch. Uh, a few things about weather Okay. Mm. Uh, on planets. The great dark spot on Neptune has winds of 1,500 miles per hour. If the winds uh, anywhere on Earth, for instance, are more than about 120 miles an hour, it's no longer possible to stay upright. And it's 1,500 miles an hour there, so 10 times, wow. 10 times more. So you're telling us if you open an umbrella, you would fly? You would fly. Well, you would certainly be thrown along the floor, if not fly. Awesome. Um, also, on Mars, the um, atmosphere is so thin on Mars um, that if you stood um, at the equator at noon, it would feel like summer at your feet and winter at your head. Wow. wow. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. crouch there, to eat your pizza, stand up to yeah. eat your ice cream dessert. <laughs> There'd be little clouds floating around your midriff. Yeah, but it's very thin, so you wouldn't really see Would it be like being a giant on Earth? <laughs> Yeah. Maybe. I'm just trying to get a clear sense of what it would be like to be there. I was looking at weird ways to cook stuff. Okay. Because, uh, you know, pizza on Venus, a weird way to cook stuff. Yeah. Tips for other weird ways to cook stuff. <laughs> if your oven's broken, poaching salmon in the dishwasher, apparently works. I've done works, that. Works quite, have you, does it work? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Wrap it in tinfoil. Yeah. Um, cook on top of your car engine. You've got to drive for about an hour in your car for something mm. to cook properly like an egg. But um, the other good way to cook something uh, when your oven's broken is to put it in the middle of a compost heap. And so there's a guy who likes to do this. I was reading his blog and it gets really hot in the middle of compost heaps. So in fact, once our compost heap in our garden set on fire, it was mental and our gardener yeah. came to put it out. Yeah, hot so but also composty. 
Yeah, so maybe, you know, wrap it in foil right. again. But this guy says, I quote, Now, whenever I hanker for a real breakfast treat, I drop a few eggs in the compost heap in the evening and look forward to a morning feast. Are you sure he, when he says drop a few eggs? <laughs> okay, time for the final fact of the show, and that is my fact. And my fact this week is that in Iceland, there is a phone app that tells you if you're related to the person that you're hitting on. Okay, I, I don't usually go to frozen food supermarkets to hit on people, but maybe you do. <laughs> okay, the country, Iceland, uh, they've got a really small population over there. It's something yeah. like 320,000 people. So many people were accidentally finding out, you know, in the bedroom chat in the morning. So like, oh, so what do you got today? Oh, I go to my, my mum's uh, barbecue. Oh, I'm going to a barbecue today. So, oh, what's a, blah, blah, blah. oh, my God, cousin Sue. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. It's my right? grandmother's birthday today. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> how weird. Yeah, so Where do you live? Just in the next bedroom actually weird right <laughs> yeah so uh this is this is a really important app because they want to stop the gene pool from becoming incestuous and it's basically in a bar you both have the app on your phones you bump the phones their motto is bump phones before you bump in the bed and uh the idea is that it then tells you whether or not you're related it's very clever that's great isn't the feature the specific feature in this app is called and i'm going to mispronounce this Spellspiller, which is called the incest spoiler <laughs> yeah, it's got negative connotations. It implies you're ruining something that could have been otherwise a yeah, beautiful experience. Yeah, it sounds exactly. like you wanted incest. Incest spoiler alert. <laughs> incest. Is what you would receive on your phone. Incest spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. But yeah, I, I just think that's a, I my what I really love most about it other than like it's it's a very interesting app uh is the fact that apps are getting to the point now where We've just got so many options of lifestyle choices via reading a little app that we, you know, my friend um, knew that she was giving birth because her pregnancy contraction app told her. I mean, you Where figured you should keep her phone. You figured you'd know that anyway. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Also, in Japan at the moment, there's a new app which, um, okay, basically, this sounds really weird, but there's a bra now in Japan that doesn't come off. Unless you truly love the person that you're talking to oh. or that you're having like a relations with. Kind of like a chastity bra. Mm. And the way that it knows that you uh, do like the person is something in the bra that monitors your pulsating heart. Your heart then oh. sends a message to your iPhone where there is an app that releases the bra and then it can come off. What about when you go, go, go to sleep at the end of the day and you want to take your bra off? You have to feign being in love. <laughs> <laughs> and also, faster heart rate. What if you're being mugged and then your bra comes off? Um, <laughs> Those photographs on roller coasters would be really interesting. <laughs> Everyone's bra's falling off. <laughs> so um, I wasn't scared. That's not what your breast is saying. <laughs> there was an app in Azerbaijan um, in 2013 that would tell you the results of the election. Uh, as soon as the results came in. Unfortunately, anyone who downloaded it got um, a message the day before the polls opened saying that there was a massive landslide for the current president. That's great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> wow. Whoopsie. There's a really good one I read about the other day called Run P, and it's an app. And the idea behind it is, so you know when you're in the cinema and you're watching a movie and you really need the toilet, but it's a great movie, and you're going, I have no idea when I need to go. So the app is you open it up and you type in the name of the movie that you're watching. And people have watched the movie before, have put this into the app. So if you're watching Guardians of the Galaxy, it will say one hour, 28 minutes in, you're going to get to a scene that says that's like this. 
perfect time to go. It's a boring scene. It's not needed oh. to know the rest of the plot. Mm. So it tells you exactly in every movie where you need to go for a pee. That's, That's good. That's so good. Mm. Isn't really that great? Good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, incest. Yes. Incest. Should, we, should we talk about incest yeah, sure, for a while? Please. Um, so in Hawaii, they used to um, revere incest, and they had a system called Nia Upo'o, um, whose aim was to keep the royal lineage as clear as possible. And the very top of the society was a kapu, and that was a product of a royal brother and sister. And if you were the son or daughter of a royal brother or sister, you were considered a god. Wow. Partly because you had seven legs. <laughs> and were blue. <laughs> yeah. Wow, weird. Yeah. yeah, so in Russia, China, Ivory Coast, Spain, Portugal, and quite a few other places, it's not illegal to um, commit incest. Um, but in Korea, it's really illegal. Uh, and um, actually, you're not allowed to marry anyone who's uh, related more closely than eighth cousin. Oh, my God. Mm, yeah. Although, obviously, it's difficult to check that. Um, you're not allowed to knowingly do that. Um, but you, by law, I think you have to check that they're not second cousins. In in South Korea, you're not. it was decreed in 1308 that if you had the same surname as someone else, you couldn't marry them because right. of this incest taboo. However, a fifth of people in South Korea have the surname Kim. So there are all these people who might love each other very much and be very distantly, n not related at all, essentially, but legally they weren't allowed to marry. So but I think they've changed it now, have they, a little bit? Yeah, they have. In 1997, it was repealed. But before that, every so often, they would just have an amnesty and say, okay, a few 10,000 of you can get married to each other. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is. I was going to talk about Iceland. Does oh, anyone, yeah. is anyone interested in Iceland? I love Iceland. Oh. Iceland. Have you been to Iceland? Go back along. Uh, yes, I have. Anyway, I always think Iceland is like um, a geography teacher's best ever thing because it's got everything like waterfalls oh my God, and is. earthquakes and you know tectonic plates and everything the geezers yeah they also believe in elves which uh is very exciting oh, yeah 54 percent, i think 54 percent. well it, yeah i, I remember because i only know this because john lloyd uh told me this uh years ago he said that 54 percent believe in it uh but if you get them drunk uh, something like 90% admit <laughs> that they actually believe in it. Which I really like. That's great. There was quite a good comment from an Icelandic academic who was saying, you say that it's geographically fascinating, who was saying you can completely believe if you've lived there and grown up there, the earth is so volatile and moving all the time and wisps of smoke shooting up out of the ground and stuff. It's kind of not surprising that people think there are spirits everywhere. And there's a really sweet story of uh, a politician an icelandic politician a couple of years ago his car spun off the road and he said that he was saved from any injury by elves and then a short while later they were going to build over the elf home and the elves lived in a nearby boulder and so the politician said no you can't do that and said we'll have to move the boulder that the elves live in so they they got someone who speaks to elves to talk to the elves who are invisible to most people and they said okay you can move our boulder but we really need to have a view of the sea and it's got to be on grass because we <laughs> like to keep sheep also invisible well, sheep south-facing garden yeah <laughs> and they did invisible and tiny uh, elf sized sheep uh, you know elves are human sizes, Icelandic elves. Are they? Yeah. Oh, I see. They look they were... like people, but they're invisible. Wait, they look like people, but they're invisible. <laughs> that is the only difference. <laughs> that you can't I see. Didn't know they were, I didn't know they were man sized, as it were. Um, should we move on? I was just going to say quickly, because uh, I think it must be one of James's favourite museums, or whichever one of you loves weird museums. Uh, Iceland has mm. the Phallological Museum, and that has as well, which is the Penis Museum. Penis has... Museum, say the real. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I, not... I mentioned penises too museum. much. I felt like we should use a different word. Two thirds of it's underground. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that, but parts of it are invisible because it claims oh, to have um, penises, as well as penises of lots of animals, it claims to have elf 
penises. Oh, and do elf penises look like human penises? Yeah, but they're invisible. But they're invisible. <laughs> so it's just a huge I've, empty cabinet. Yeah, I've brought yeah. in my collection of elf penises. I'm very disappointed that none of you have mentioned it yet. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've I'm actually on the wall. <laughs> I'm actually wearing my elf dick coat right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a coat of penises, but you can't. I but wish yeah. you could see it. <laughs> Andy, why have you had your mouth open this whole podcast? (laughs) Come on, guys. Get it together. Okay, that's it. That's all our facts. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. If you want to get in contact about any of the things that we've been talking about on this week's podcast, you can get us on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland. Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. James. At Eggshaped. And Anna. Uh, you can get me if you email podcast at qi.com. Also, if you head to our SoundCloud page and you go specifically to the episode timeline that you're listening to, uh, we often put extra notes up on the timeline. So if you want to look into any more stuff, probably, most likely, there'll be stuff up there. So do that. And we will be back again next week with another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish. We'll see you then. Goodbye.